Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life podcast, episode 108. Amazing. Amazing. And uh, I don't want to take too long, but I do want to let you know that we're continuing in a series. Uh, and kind of the main points that we're making here are what it takes to be a good leader. A mm -hmm. uh, very relevant topic for today. Uh, we have talked about good leaders are those who are human and accept that. They're transparent so that others have permission to be human and to learn from the leader's wisdom and experience. Mm -hmm. They work to help the people on their team become the best they can be at what they do. They deal with their negative emotions like fear or anger so that it doesn't, doesn't get in the way of them being effective. Last time, episode 107, we talked about innovation and how a good leader will not just sort of fall back on old coping mechanisms, but deal with themselves and respond to the situation in a way that is appropriate for the current time. So we're back again. And you know, Peter and I watched the last podcast episode and listened to it and realized that it was so full of ideas and principles and um, information and we end up wondering, I end up wondering, if we're doing too much, if it's too much to take in all at once because Peter's got like over 50 years, more like 70 years of experience in what he's talking about. Yeah. and. Um, Absolutely, I know, because I've known this man for years, I know his greatest goal is to help other people learn these lessons. He's not sitting on the mountain. He wants people to learn it. So we wondered today whether to, and we're staying a little more spontaneous, we wondered whether to, to kind of feel our way through giving maybe even a little background. Help make the extraordinary, unusual life that Peter has lived and that has resulted in what he knows and how he lives and how he leads. Mm. How he can translate that, how he has continually translated that to make it relevant to other people. Not everybody lives in an extraordinary reality, we know that. Many people do right now. But everyone can benefit from learning the principles of how to lead. Um, not everyone's going to lead, but at some point in everybody's life, they're probably going to need to lead in something. So I, wow. what do you? I know I talked a lot. Well, you know, you got to ask yourself why? Why now? Is this a subject that's so important, and um, and why has it become so predominant? You know, mm -hmm. we've been working in an extraordinary reality for many, many years. Um, we've been f having to deal with ourselves and be confronted with our own weaknesses and blind spots for a long time because that was part of that's part of the journey that we're on and uh, part of the work we do. So we accept it. It's not easy. It's a harder way of life, but that's been a, a calling or a choice that we've made, um, and I I honor it and I live it and I know you do too, and I know other people here do too. Um, but why now would be would we be talking about this to the public so much right. because this has been an extraordinary year for so many people that have just kind of moved through life in a certain way that was acceptable and more in their mind secure and um, 
something they were just, it, it was almost like you could be a little lazy with yourself because it was just moving along and certain values, certain things were just taken for granted that almost all of us share. But that's changed dramatically in the last year. It really has for just about everybody. Uh, just about everyone. And some people have been hit, cut, I shouldn't say some, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions at this point have been hit very hard. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to be out of touch with how difficult those experiences are for people. We know because we've been through those too and we've shared those experiences with other people that have gone through it as well. Yeah. Now that's not something everybody does every day. It really isn't. It's an unusual, it's an unusual calling. Um, I consider you know, having a real purpose in life, a real calling, um, and I wouldn't want to do it any other way. I will say it's exhausting sometimes. It's really, uh, there's a lot of intensity to it at times. When I listened to the podcast uh, for last week, I loved it personally. <laughs> But I realized, wow, that's pretty intense material to knock out. It was. And I can relate to it. And I know everybody that here was listening to it could relate to it. But then I'm saying, now how is this going to translate out to the public? And is this too intense and too heavy or and too really fundamental? Now, if I were, there was a time in my life that I was mentored and, listen, and I listened to people. And I was one of the people that would embrace that. But, um, you mean that you were actually looking for people who could give you that kind of absolutely, input? Absolutely, absolutely, and I needed it, and I knew I did. Um, but I don't know if everybody's in that place. That was me. At that time, I didn't know that other people don't do that. I thought everybody did that. Mm -hmm. um, I was a bunch younger when I, when I moved along in this, in this journey. But I'm looking at it now, and I'm thinking people really need to feel cared about. They need to feel um, that their needs and what they're going through is important. And I've noticed when we're talking about leadership, this is something that's kind of stuck in my craw, and yet there's other leaders I see um, in all walks of life that really fulfill me. Just the idea of what they're doing fulfills me and touches my heart. But I will say that a lot of people that have been leadership in leadership positions have been, it's like sorting out the boys from the men, and I mean gender neutral on that one, because mm -hmm. I know around here... No, I'm here to prove it wrong. Yes. Around here, let me tell you, we have some incredible women. So when I say that, it's more generic talk, okay? Yeah. But um, this year has exposed a lot of people, and a lot of people that were moving in their leadership roles and very comfortably, and well, they were confronted. And they were confronted with new situations that were absolutely critical and difficult. People's needs all of a sudden became enormous. Um, and there are certain people that were leaders that have come through magnificently. I've also seen many that have not. And, and, uh, and it, it, it disturbs me, really, because I know, God, with everything going on here, we're all in this together. We're all human. And it's important for us as leaders, especially, to convey that you do matter. And what you're going through really matters to us. And this is an extraordinary situation. It's not the ideal, but we've got to find new ways to innovate, to do something to make sure we get the message across that you do matter. What you're going through matters to me. And me. And all of them, good leaders. And, leader, yeah. and here's the thing. I've seen some leaders absolutely convey that. Yes. And they've been willing to sacrifice from their position in life 
um, and move out of their comfort zone because they saw the reality and they had to innovate and they had to come up with new ideas and um, new ways of, of conveying the message. And I've seen others that have been miserable failures and they've run away. I know they feel that they have lots of excuses and reasons that justify it, but they become so myopically caught up in their own life, in their own fears, that that seems to block them from taking a look at what other people are going through. We've seen a lot of that, and it breaks my heart. Uh, they're not all bad people, but what they've done is very damaging at a time when it is so critical. Um, so that that has weighed heavily on me. Yeah. Um, I've been affected by it. I know other people have been affected by it. So let and, me ask you a question. Yeah. You were talking just a little bit ago about how it's very natural for you. It was very natural for you to seek out uh, how to be a good leader. You were hungry to learn from others who might know more than you were. What was it that drove you to do that? What what and and how did you get started on that? <laughs> it goes back a long way. I mean, I've been. I want to say I've been brought up to be a leader. Um, it wasn't all pleasant, and it didn't come through wonderful experiences. But I was always expected to somehow lead other people, and I didn't always take to it when I was younger. I didn't always take to it well. So this um, was. I know this was like a family business expectation. And, Is that and right? yeah, and that was part of it. Absolutely. Okay. Um, some of the lessons in leadership, I learned what not to do from other people, um, and I watched what they did, and I knew that's not what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I also had a lot of responsibility thrust on me at a very young age, and uh, for whatever reasons, and I, I don't want to psychoanalyze every one of them, I was in a position of being in charge of a lot of responsibility and a lot of a lot of people who depended on me. Mm -hmm. um, I can't say I did it perfectly, I wouldn't, that wouldn't be true, I was too young. But I took on the challenge um, as well as I could. And I guess in some ways I made an impact on other people that they do matter to me. No matter what our business was, no matter what was going on, and we had plenty of challenges, my, my caring concern for people that worked for me really prevailed. Now, when was, I, there, was there pressure on you to stop doing that? At times there was, yeah. Um, I was, yes, there was. But I, I kind of was one of these people, I was, you know, I re always, uh, I think back to my real young childhood and I grew up very hard and I was a victim. I was a person that was treated brutally as a child and there was nobody to lead me and it was a scary survival. Um, and I wasn't some tough guy. I was a very sensitive child and living in a very rough environment in New Jersey. And I know I suffered plenty. And so I, I had that understanding of what it feels like to be a victim, what it feels like to have, be lived and be an object of other people's prejudice in a very impersonal but yet very destructive, ignorant, violent way. So through that pain of that, I did have a sensitivity and a deep empathy for the downtrodden and those that were being treated badly. And it stuck with me as I didn't stay in that place of being a victim either. I did fight my way through it. And thank I'm, I was one of those people that said, I am not going to let this go on 
because I couldn't even stand looking at myself anymore. And this is when I was really pretty young. But I did reach a point where I go, from this point on, that's not going to happen anymore. And I'm not going to let anybody treat me that way. Even if I die protecting myself, I will not put up with that again because I had to live with myself. So it was at a point, I think it was about 12 or 13, I drew the line, I said, next person that does that, I will fight for my life, but I will not put up with that again. Well, it was, I wasn't really equipped, but I did matter. What I had was this drive inside of me for survival. But I also had a, a deep understanding of what it feels like to be victimized. And that was a principle of value that you took with you into your time uh, growing as a leader. That, that one was one of them, like, that was non-negotiable. That was going to be with you. And it was deep inside of me. Now, I didn't grow, I wasn't walking around acting like a vulnerable victim anymore. I grew up to be a very tough type of person. And the leadership roles that I took on were with very tough, difficult people. And I wasn't going to let them know that deep inside, you know, I had a very a sensitive vulnerability, except for those people that were really suffering. And I did take care of them on the side, and I made sure, I made sure my people were cared for. And I, I bet they knew it. They knew it. They knew it. And it also became very... Um, clear that I wasn't going to put up with the prejudice, I wasn't going to put up with violence, I wasn't going to put up with any of that on our, on our crews. And we had some very mixed crews in the construction industry, they were rough characters. And when I saw someone victimized, I didn't care if I lost our business tomorrow, I would not put up with it. And we had some pretty violent characters, but truthfully, I was more violent in my, in deep down about protecting the downtrodden than they were. Mm -hmm. And that message got across. So I think people respected me at a young age um, as a leader because they knew that I meant business. Number one, I wasn't going to put up with it. Um, and the other was for those that have been broken and those were carrying such burdens of victimization, they knew I was going to protect them. They knew I did care. And I didn't care what it took. I was not going to let that happen to them again. So I had that sensitivity um, and I carried it deeply. Um, I remember when I was in high school, I was involved in gangs, and they were rough, rough characters. And um, some of the people in the gangs were really like bullies, tough characters. And they didn't know deep inside about how I really felt about bullying people and, and, being, and being downtrodden. But we ran, against, uh, ran up against some situations where I'll never forget one of them. And uh, grew up in a very macho type of thing in, in New Jersey. And I remember there was such a prejudice against homosexuals. It was dangerous, um, very dangerous. And I'll never forget, there was a fella in our school, um, his name was Mark, and, um, and I guess we were in high school, and our, some of our gang members, I remember, they were starting to pick up punching and hit, and all of a sudden, I just jumped in between them and I wouldn't let them touch him, and I protected him. And I remember th they looked at me and they respected me. They stopped. Mm -hmm. They did stop because I really was serious. But I had to say it in a way that they knew I still was part of the gang. I still, but I'm, don't do this. This is this guy can't protect himself, and um, I'm going to protect him. If you're going to do this, then you're going to have to. I remember it was like, then fight me. Mm -hmm. And they knew that was going to be a whole different story. And it's interesting because I'll never forget they stopped. And um, this fellow. <laughs> Mark, I'll never forget it. 
became a good friend. He thought I was his savior. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't want the guys to think, Jesus. And I said, I'm not your savior, and you got to like learn to protect yourself. I remember saying this. I said, you can't let people do this to you. Yeah. He didn't know what I was talking about. So for, you know, it's interesting. So he kind of glommed onto me, and I didn't want him to, because yeah. um, there was such a stigma to that. But I, he was a nice fellow. He really was. Yeah. And um, I did teach him how to protect himself. And interestingly, this is the really, he became one of the gang members and they all learned to accept Mark. I will never forget this. Yeah. Yes, and um, he was a homosexual um, and that did make a whole lot of difference. There wasn't a lot of uh, ridiculing him anymore or anything. There was kind of a acceptance. Mm -hmm. And then I remember years later, I hadn't seen him for years and uh, I was doing my internship in, in a hospital and I had to do a seven o'clock shift in the morning. And I was driving through a neighborhood in, in San Francisco and it, it had to be what, five thirty six in the morning. And it was a predominantly homosexual neighborhood driving to get to the hospital. And who do I see walking on the street? Mark, mm -hmm. I haven't seen him in years. What do you think he was? He was a bouncer oh. in one of these um, homosexual nightclubs. <laughs> and he jumped in the car, he was so glad to see me and he told me what he's doing and he says, you know, I take care of these boys and I make sure that those kind of things don't happen. And I'm looking at remembering Mark, how he used to be in here. He's a bouncer and he says he protects the downtrodden. I could, I just. You know what this is reminding me of? This is reminding me of the talk that we had about how you are committed to developing the people who work with you and for you to bring out their strengths, to help them with their weaknesses, yes. to help them become the best that they can Absolutely. become. Absolutely. So you were doing this. <clears throat> Early. Oh, yeah, because I knew what it felt like to be victimized. I yeah. also know that I had to find my own way to learn how to self-protect and to be, it really, it was quite a journey. It was a tough one, but I was one, I don't know what it was, but there was something inside of me was going to, I'm going to make it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to get through this and I am going to be just like everybody else. They're going to be included. They're going to respect me. And I had to figure it out on my own. I did not have parents that showed me. Um, I had, my father was a bully. To say the least, I love my dad. Why I say I forgave him mm -hmm. and have many good years with him, but he was one tough guy, yeah. and he wasn't one of these people that held me by the hand. He would he would go, what you got to go to do it. He'd never show me how, yeah. and he didn't have much respect for me when I was vulnerable. But he was rough too. He was a very rough father. So there's some lessons that you that you 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 did differently. You decided to do differently. I did, and I was I must have been much more strong-willed, I look back on it, absolutely, because a lot of people now that are trying to help, I realize they don't have that in them. Somehow we've got to pull that out of them and build their confidence and um, um, put them in, thrust them in situations where even the folks that work with us, we see a situation that they avoid or are struggling with, we don't just let them avoid. We usually put them in that place they're struggling with, mm -hmm. and we do support them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't just let people flounder. No, no, we'll help them, but we're not doing it for them. Right. And you're, I'm sitting right next to one. Yeah, I've incredible. gone through that process many yes. times. Yes, and yeah. I, yeah. she put up with me. Now, I was not rough on her. No. But I didn't want to see her just, collapse. Just consistent and, and strong, and I yeah. would try to do something and not do so well, and I'd go back and tell Peter, and he'd say, now try this, go back and do it again. And in that, that was oh, really, yeah, yeah. many of the things you've taught me, that was really the only way to learn it. Yeah, I know. The only way. Yeah, and we've, had, and we've been doing that, and you know that. We, we see people on our teams and our staff and people that work with us, and we see they've been avoiding or we see a weak place that's really hurting them, mm -hmm. but they don't know how to get out. In fact, they persist.
yeah. and we go, you know what? You're going to have to learn to do this. We're not going to do this for you, and I'm not going to be the leader on this one. You're going to learn to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's not a comfortable challenge. We're not going to let them fall flat on their face. I won't do that. No. But I'm not going to do it for them. Right. And I want them to become the people they're meant to be, as right. fully and purposefully as possible. So we do look for that. You know that. I, I mean, our, our place, people are challenged. Yeah. And we see some great blossoming and people coming mm -hmm. into their own. I have teams that I don't, yes, I am a leader, but I'll be honest with you, they're leaders in their own right, and they really have learned to overcome mm -hmm. their own problems and really do some great work, so I don't have to do it anymore. It's been a process I have really deeply appreciated to be able to work through limitations of my own with help, but without coddling, you know, and a chance to really develop abilities so that I have more self-respect and more confidence. And before you get started, I'm just going to say that we are out of time. You're kidding. I know. Isn't this amazing? I know. I we, do want to say one thing. Yes, go ahead. Okay. That you had the tenacity that other people don't, though, male or female. Because we've had many people, let's be honest, that did not hold on the front lines. Well, this you is quite did, a front line. Yes. And we're is, in the trenches. Yeah. You did. And you continue to. Now, working with me is not always... Now, I'm not mean to her, so don't... No, but, not at all. But it's when I see something that she's not coming through on, I'm going to challenge her about it and tell her. And then what she does is she rises to the occasion. She takes the challenge, and she does come back and straighten it out. Now, that's unusual. We see other people, men or women, man, that happens to them, and they don't do that, and they pay. And that is... I'm always sad to see that happen for someone because I do want someone to be able to come into who, Absolutely. like you say, I they're meant sure. to be. Maybe that's something we could cover another time. I think we should. That I think good leaders should and be. How can you help people a, get through that? A good leader will want to bring that out and get his own ego out of the way and look at the person and go, I want this person to be the best person they can be, mm -hmm. and they're not doing it and they're avoiding it. My job is to put them in there. Support them and get them going. Is and a lot of these people are very reluctant. You yeah, know that. I know that. And it and that's where I'm very persistent. That I don't get. I won't let up on them until they get it. Yeah. And we have seen people get. It. I have other people that persisted, and it knocks me out because I tell you, man, I couldn't persist like they do and live with myself, yeah. but they do, yeah. and they pay. There's a consequence that they. It's a poor choice, and I tell them that, and you could do better for yourself and feel better about yourself and be more effective. And this is what you're going to have to do. And I'm not doing for you. You're going to learn to do this. So how about if we come back to that? We'll do it. That is a very valuable thing, and I've watched you do it over and over. So we'll come back to that. The Survivor's Guide to Life podcast is sponsored by Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, a 501c3 nonprofit that relies on donations to keep us going on the air here. They are at sctraumatreatment.org. Peter and I can be reached at Jenny at BernsteinInstitute.com or 707-781-3335. We are on Facebook, Instagram. We have our own YouTube channel. Please like, share, and watch. Um, nom, 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 nom. I think that's it. I think I did it. I Oh, the book. The Principles, A Survivor's Guide to Life. I'll get this to you if you ask me for it. We, oh, and feedback. 
I'm, that I'm serious about. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions or feedback for us, please do that. Thank you, and we'll see you again next time. I hope this helps. Take care out there.